We're going to first be over at Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Harriet was the church gossip and self-appointed supervisor of church morals. She kept sticking her nose in other people's business. And several, several of the church members were kind of unhappy at Harriet's things that she did, but they were too afraid to say anything to her. And she would say things that other people were doing, just put her nose in where it just didn't belong. You know the kind of people who do that. Well, she got involved with one person's life that she probably shouldn't have, and she said something about George. He was a new member of the church, a new convert. And she said, I saw George's pickup truck parked outside of the, the bar, the only bar in town, uh, all afternoon. I just know he's an alcoholic. And she started passing this, this around and one time even said it and George was right there and George was a man of few words. George just looked at her and just was silent, said nothing and just silently slipped away. That night, George took his pickup truck out, parked it in front of Harriet's house and left it there all night long. <laughs> you know, it's easy to get things started, right? Getting things started is not usually the problem. Keeping things going is, is what we run into problems with as Christians. Now, as we're looking at this series here, Reigning in Life, and we've talked about some of the things we need to do to reign in life and some of the things about healing and, and finances and things along this, this line. Last week we were looking at staying the course, that we need to make sure we keep our words in line with what we're saying, that we should be speaking things in line with what we are praying and believing. We looked at how the week before, we looked at how we were given authority over sickness and disease and the power of, of Satan, demon spirits. Well, here we want to look up, uh, look at don't give ground. Now, we're going to review some things we've already gone over here before, but sometimes people come in and out and they don't always hear everything that, that goes on. But we wanted to first off go, off go over how to receive from God, how to receive the things from God. And as we know very well, this scripture about healing, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He bore our sicknesses already. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He took all these things for us, and we understand that about, about Him. But if we're going to receive, there's some things that we need to do. And the first thing, first area, is that we need to have belief and confession. Belief and confession is one of the first thing, one of the first ways that we receive from the Lord. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you're going to be saved, you're going to, you need to first off believe and confess. Jesus Himself said, if you confess Me before God, I'll confess you before My Father. Belief and confession. We need to have both parts going. This is one way we receive from God. Isn't salvation something we receive? Isn't healing just the other side of salvation? His, his blood was for the salvation of our spirit. His body was given for the salvation of our body. That our, our body would be saved from sickness and disease and such. So it's going to be the same way, belief and confession. 
that when something comes against you, you can simply believe and confess and get your way to victory. That's the way that you can receive from God. Belief and confess. Matthew 21, verse 22. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. When we get into that place where we believe and we confess, we can receive the things we have we need from God. This is a flu season, as they say, and everybody who wants to can catch the flu. Everybody wants to can catch a cold. Belief and, con- and confession. Now you look around at people, how many people do you know believe they will get the flu? They believe it. How many people are confessing they will get the flu? I know I'm going to get it sometime. I know what's going to come upon me. I'm going to get this so I don't get it so bad. I'm going to have this on hand. You know, the people go out there and they, they, they stock up on the NyQuil. You know, NyQuil you can get now in a huge you know, gallon container, I guess. Or <laughs> just, just so you're ready. What are they, they're believing and confessing for something. And that's the way that you can receive but we want to receive the things from God, the, the good things from God. We've got to believe and confess the things that He says. You can't, like we were talking about last week, you can't mix this up. You can't say, well, I'm believing for health and going on out. Oh, I hope I don't get that. Oh, I hope I don't get that. Oh, I don't. this begins to feel like I might be getting this. You can't have yourself confessing one thing and believing another. That's like a ship going along has a rudder pointed in one direction and the sails pointed in another. They're confused. You don't want to be that way. Belief and confession, though, this is one way that you can receive things. Agreement is another. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if you need to, you can, or want to, you can go out there and find someone else. Will you believe with me on this issue? And they hear the issue and they know the Word of God. And Yes, I can believe with you on that. If you are one who's brought in on that, make sure you can believe. Don't just say with your mouth. Make sure you believe with your heart. Don't just say, well, I'll go ahead and... I don't really know though. But I'll go ahead and say it. No, you're not helping that person out. You need to sometimes just pull up and say, you know what? I don't know if I can believe God for that. All right, well, thank you for telling me. I'll go find someone else. <laughs> and maybe the thing they're asking for isn't right. But maybe you're just not right where you could you could do that. And back out of it. Don't feel like you have to. It says two or more agree. There's no good if you get two people and only one agree. The other one's saying, I'm not sure. That doesn't help. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Brother Hagin used to tell us stories of... of uh, I forget who it was now. Somebody, there's a couple. And they were believing God for... Uh, I think it was... you remember the story? I think it was a house. So it was the sell house. I was thinking buy a house. It was the sell house. And uh, they believed God that they would sell this house and this one house just wouldn't sell. And this, this uh, pastor friend of Brother Hagin's just, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why we can't sell that house. And finally it came out that the wife wasn't in agreement. She said, well, I always loved that. I liked that house. I didn't want to sell that house. <laughs> but they weren't in agreement on the thing, but you needed to say that ahead of time. You can enter into the prayer of agreement and get things, but both need to be in agreement. So sometimes it is just better if you just say, I can't, I, I know that's in the Word, but I don't know that I can agree with that right now. I'm just not in the spot. And that's fine. Just come on out and say that and be in that place and uh, make sure that people aren't thinking we're going to get something on agreement and you're not in agreement. 
Mark chapter 6, verse 7, He called the twelve to Himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Because there is power in going out two by two. And the two of you agree. We saw Peter and John. They were going out two by two. Came to the, to the gate. Saw the lame man. Went down, grabbed him, pulled him up. They were in agreement, weren't they? In other places, we see other people there do this. We're not really here to spend a whole lot of time on these different ways. We've done this before. We've gone into these details a lot more just kind of quickly reviewing. So the first way, belief and confession. The second way, agreement. The third way, anointing with oil. I believe it's James that talks about that. He said, if any of you among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. And the prayer of faith will raise up the sick. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. Anointing of oil is a way that you can go. Understand, you don't have to employ all these ways. We've talked about this example before, but you all know that to get to the city, I have several different ways. You have several different ways. If you want to get to the city, though, you don't take all five ways. You take one. You pick one. You listen to the traffic. You look at the way that's that's happening and you make a decision which way you're going to go and you go one way. You don't go two, three, four ways. You pick one way. So pick one of these ways and just receive that. And for finances, maybe just believing and confessing is all you need. Maybe for healing, you need to step out and take another way. But it's wherever it is that you can have faith in it. That's what's, that's what's key. Sometimes we just need to say, you know what, I don't know that I have faith in doing it that way. Well, good. That's the good thing for us to know. We can either minister to your faith or put you into another way where we can get that taken care of. Anointed with oil. That's another one. Laying on of hands. Jesus went around laying hands on people. The disciples were commissioned to go out and lay hands on the sick. We were commissioned in Mark chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 to go out and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are things that we're supposed to do. Go out there and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We've talked about the laying on of hands before. If you're going to lay hands on an unbeliever, whose faith is involved? Yours. That's all. If you're going to lay hands on the believer, sometimes that person's faith can be involved. Sometimes they're not in a place to, to be in faith. That's why they're getting hands laid on them. And they can, uh, they, that can work for them as well. Generally, a believer needs to have some faith going on. Thank God, an unbeliever, they don't need to have any faith. If you have an unbeliever, they need to have no faith at all. You can lay hands on them and they're unsaved and glory to God, they can't even disbelieve, get, get in the way of the thing. As long as they ask for hands to be laid on them, that's all that needs to happen. But don't go up laying hands on people who don't ask. That's Jesus, what was, we, we've gone over this before. What does Jesus do to blind people when they come up to Him? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? What does He say to a lame person if He comes upon a lame person? What do you want? If He comes upon a sick person, what's He say? What do you want? What's He, what's he trying to do? Get them to ask. You need to get unsaved people, folks, to ask. You cannot pray in stealth. Stealth technology is great for battles, but not spiritual ones. You need to confront it head on. That person needs to ask. They need to know that God's involved. God will not share His glory. So laying on our hands is is another one. Gifts and anointings is a fifth one. That sometimes the power of of God is manifested in anointings in, in different people. Certain folks have anointings in... Uh, for healing of ears or healing of cancers or whatever it might be. They just say, it just seems that when I minister in this area, we have more results. 
for folks who get headaches or people who have whatever it is. And you tap into that anointing. There's gifts that are involved. Sometimes the gift of knowledge comes up. That's the testimony my uh, mom and dad were talking about with him. There was a word of knowledge that came out. Someone has this. And they acted on it. If someone gets up and says, I, th- I, I hear from God that someone has this condition. Well, don't just sit there and say, well, I used to. But I uh, was believing... No, you've activated the gifts of, of healing going on. Stand up there and say, that's me. Get on out there and take, take care of that thing. Gifts and anointings. These are the five different ways in the Word of God that we receive from God. Now, we, we spent time on this before for you, for those who were here during the healing series. If you weren't, it's still up on the internet. I didn't take it down. I keep getting that, that noise. I'm not sure what it is or what I'm doing. All right. But what is it that you receive when hands are laid upon you? Do you receive your healing or do you receive healing power? There we go. Healing power. The Word of God talks about healing power is the thing that we receive. When the woman with the issue of blood came up to Jesus and touched the hem of His garment, what went out of Jesus into her? Healing power. Jesus would show up in places and the Word of God would say that the Spirit of God was present and the power to heal. When the man was uh, was let down through the roof, the Word of God says that the Spirit of God was present to uh, heal. The power of God was present to heal all. And yet, how many people left that meeting healed? One. one. Only one person left that meeting healed. But the power of God was present to heal all. There's a whole lot of times, folks, power of God is present and we, un- we do not tap into it. Just because it's present doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to do something to activate it. That's why we went over these five ways to receive from God. You must do something to activate it. Now, we try and put in six ways, seven ways, eight ways, and we try to put other ones in. But as far as I can tell, going through the Word of God, this is where it was. This is, this is what it was. This is how you receive from God. Sometimes, though, people get this idea that I'm just going to go in amongst some believers and let them know that I'm sick and see what happens. They don't ask for anything. They don't ask for hands to be laid on them. They don't ask for the anointing oil to be applied to them. And they're not believing and confessing anything. You need to ask. That's why we tell you all the time. You know, there are times when the Spirit of God moves in such a way in service that we'll, we will have a healing line. But most times, what do we look for? People to ask. I need prayer for this. Good. That's what Jesus did. He had people ask for prayer. You ask for prayer, you're activating something. And you need to have that. We can't bypass that. You need to activate something. Sometimes people will call you up on the phone. How many times have I had this? People call you up on the phone. Oh, I'm just not feeling well. And our, our tendency is to go, Oh, can I pray for you? And wrong answer. This is why their power comes out. Because you asked them if you could pray for them. How many people did Jesus go up to and say, Can I pray for you? <laughs> uh-uh. Now, now, Peter and John came up to the lame man. Did they ask if they could pray for him? No, they got the man to a place where he looked at them expecting to receive something. That's all that they needed. But they needed something on his part to begin the work. They needed something. Now, people can turn off the power of God as they did with Jesus in Capernaum. He could do no mighty work there because of their lack of asking. (laughs) Doubt and unbelief. 
And doubt, when you have doubt and unbelief, generally you don't ask for stuff. But when somebody calls you up on the phone, your Christian tendency, being nice and kind and loving and all that, is, oh, can I pray for you? But you haven't tapped into anything because they have not. Now, on the, on the flip side, maybe you're the one on the other side of the phone and you're calling up somebody and you're sick. And you hang up the phone. They didn't ask me. To, they didn't ask to pray for me. Can't believe that. I told them I was sick. I told them this was going. They didn't ask to pray for me. You didn't ask them to. How do they know if you're in the believing and confessing mode, or if you're in the laying on the hands mode, or if you're in the agreement mode? They don't know that. If you're in the believing and confessing mode, then for them to pray over you would be be counteractive. Because they're going to get you into a place where you've got to believe to receive it again. So you make sure. Get someone to ask. Even if you come up to an unbeliever and they're talking about their headaches, they're talking about their sickness, they're talking about their disease over here. Don't just say, can I pray for you? Simply say, I know someone who can take care of that. Begin to give them questions where they can begin to ask. If I told you that Jesus would heal, would you like me to pray for you? Get them to where they can they, they can ask. I mean, you can give them all kinds of other information. Jesus would, you know, fish for people sometimes, getting them to ask for the, the thing that they wanted. Sometimes we need to do that. Just get them to, to ask that thing. And say, hey, do you want to receive this from God? Yeah, I do. There you go. You got them, you got them there. You got them to that place. You know, do you want to get saved? Yes, I do. You can't just pray for people to get saved, can you? We gotta, they gotta ask. You can't just pray for people to get forgiven, can you? They have to ask. If you're going to get people healed, they need to ask. You need to get them in that place where they can, they can ask. That always bugged me when people would have those unspoken requests, you know. No one's asking anything. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, you gotta, you gotta ask. Or someone would say, I, I want to pray for, uh, my neighbor. They're not feeling well. And then if you ask them questions, are they saved? No. Did they ask you to come pray for them? No. Do they know you're praying for them? No. <laughs> you haven't given God anything to work with. So anyway, that's just quick for you. Those are the five ways. Make sure you're inside of one of those ways. But say that we've done these things and we have received from God. We have received something from God. How do we maintain that? How do we keep that going? How many of you have ever been prayed for, received something from God, and then later on it started to go away? And you kind of lost it. How do you maintain it? Now, put this in your outline. The battle to keep or maintain your healing is most associated with the last three ways we describe for receiving. The last three ways. There's a reason for that. It is most associated. I didn't say exclusively, but it is most associated with the last three ways to receive. Because the last three ways involve less of you and more of the other person's faith. The less your faith is involved, the harder it is to maintain it. Now, there's a reason for that, but there's a way to maintain it. You can maintain anything that you receive from God. Anything that you receive, whether you received it through the gift and the anointings, whether you received it on the laying on of hands, 
whether you received it from anointing oil, you can maintain anything that you've received from God. But you must know what will come against you and how you can, you can stave this thing off. But the battle to keep your healing is most associated with the last three ways. Here's why. Because your faith is not as dependent upon to receive. In those last three ways, your faith is not as dependent. I'd say wasn't it uninvolved. Just said it wasn't as involved. When you get into the believing and confessing mode, you are believing, you are building up your belief, you are confessing, you are doing this the whole way along the process. Maintaining that is one of the easiest things in the world of all these that, that he would come against to try and steal away from. Keeping and maintaining depends upon your faith. God wants to get that healing. God wants to get that miracle. God wants to get that thing that you need to you any way that He can. But keeping and maintaining what you receive from God depends upon your faith. Now many people after they receive healing feel a symptom and they say stuff like this. I thought the Lord healed me. I thought the Lord healed me. I guess He didn't. Now, I know no one here has ever said something like that. But other places, people have said that. You got prayed for headaches. You got prayed for the flu. You got prayed for for a cold. Whatever it was. And you got prayed for. And when hands were laid upon you, the healing power of God came in, shook you up. That thing went away. And the next, the next day, that night, later on that week, whatever it is, you begin to feel that symptom come back on you. And for some people, the first thing out of the mouth is, I thought the Lord healed me. What are we not doing? Maintaining in faith. The first twinge, we're ready to doubt. Now, if you have ever done that, you cannot laugh at the Israelites for grumbling when there was no water. For grumbling when there was no food. You cannot say, I can't believe, if I was one of those Israelites, I wouldn't have been. You already have been. Because you received a miracle from God and as soon as you came to a place where there's no water, I thought the Lord... Mm-mm. No. Stay with it. Stay with it. Maintain it. Understand, anything you receive from God is going to be attacked. Anything that you receive from God is going to be attacked. You receive peace from God. You receive wisdom from God. You receive understanding from God. Healing. It doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be attacked. How many of you have received salvation and felt that attacked? I don't know if I'm saved. How many of you, know, how many of you have been forgiven of sins and found that to come under attack? I don't really know if God forgave me. I don't really feel forgiven. See, they fail to build up their own faith and they can't stand on their own. God wants you to build up your own faith. Like we told you before, God wants you healed any way that He can. The same way that you as a parent would want your son or daughter healed any way that you can. It's the same thing God wants. He wants you healed any way that He can. He's not sitting up there and saying, well, unless they're going to get it all on faith, I don't want to see them well. That's not God. God wants you well any way that He can get you well, He'll get you well. Mr. Doctor, he's that's fine. Just get well. He wants you well. That's God's goal. 
where they fail to build up their own faith and they can't stand on their own. Now, here's an example. How many have ever done any mountain climbing? <laughs> I'm sure lots of you have. How many of you have imagined mountain climbing? Or watched other people on the TV climb mountains? All right, there we go. We can do that one. You watch other people on the TV climb mountains. One of the first rules of climbing mountains or climbing rocks or any of those kind of things is, first rule, never climb alone. So you already knew that. <laughs> never climb alone. Now, is the reason they say that because you cannot climb any part of that mountain on your own? No. It's not that way at all. In fact, most of the mountain that's before you can probably be climbed on your own. But there are certain spots where you need assistance or at least someone to spot you or someone to watch so that if you fall, they can call for help or they can do something to, to, to help out that situation. But how many have been in a spot and you, maybe you're picturing yourself climbing a mountain? And you get to an area and you can't quite get up to where that spot is. And someone up over there reaches down and grabs hold and you grab hold of them and then pull them up. And you get them up to that spot. Now from that point on, is that person incapable of climbing and walking? No, they just they just hit a spot they couldn't get over. And so someone came over and helped them over that spot. But from their, that point on, they're still expected to walk. And carry themselves and do what they're supposed to do. They were just helped. But you still have to maintain and do the things on your own. Sometimes Christians, once they get hands laid on them, they just lay down. Once they get helped over that hump and they get brought up to that next level, they just lay down. Well, I guess I, I can't do it anymore. I had to get hands laid on me. Then they just lay there. They don't do anything. You got to keep maintaining your faith. If you needed hands laid on you or the gifts and the callings of God to, to come into play and you received a healing, now build your faith up to maintain that thing. So someone may help you over an obstacle because you became tired or because you became weak or because there was a barrier that needed more than you were able to do to, to overcome it. But once that happens, keep going. Pick yourself up. Keep walking. Keep going. They say never climb alone does not mean that you need someone all along the way, but there are certain spots that we're going to need another person to come along and help us out on. And God's provided other believers around to help us do that. Glory to God for that. Now over in the book of Revelation, I gave you four places here, but here's where it's exhorting the, the churches to hold fast. To hold fast. He says hold fast your confession. Hold fast this. Hold fast. He's telling them to hold fast different things because something was coming against them to call them, cause them to not. This first one here. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name. Did not deny my faith even in days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Go to the next one. But hold fast what you have till I come. If he's telling them to hold fast what they have until he comes, it means somehow you could let it go. Somehow something else could take it out. Go to the next one. Revelations 3. Verse 3. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Hold fast and repent. Go to verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. 
So he tells them over and over again in these exhortations to the churches, hold fast. But too often we're quick to drop it. We've had hands laid on us and we felt the power of God, healing power, come into our bodies. We felt the thing go. We went home and there was no problem. There was nothing going on. The headaches went. The symptoms went. Whatever it was, it was gone. And we're giving glory to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it's healed. Oh, it's better. Oh, oh. And we're all excited. And then two days later, we feel a symptom. We feel something come in. And what do we do? Hold fast? Or we let go? I thought God healed me. Oh, I guess he didn't. I guess he didn't. I remember a story Brother Huggins told us. He's got so many good stories. I just get a book of all his stories. But he had been to a church one time and this guy, I forget how old he was exactly, 60, 70, somewhere, he was up there in, in years. And he was prayed for for rheumatoid arthritis, I think it was. And he, uh, Brother Hagen had come back to the church, I don't know what it was, six months, a year, sometime later, it wasn't not too long a time. But he had prayed on him the first time and the, the man uh, got saved, I think he got saved, and he got uh, healed. And just was walking free of all that and just because they were there for, it wasn't like a one night or they were there for a few weeks and he'd walked all these weeks just healed. No problem with it at all. Well, he came back this six months, ten months, a year later, I don't know what it was. He came on back and he saw this man out in the field. And this man was bent over. And he was in pain. And so he walked over to him where he was over in the field. And he said, what's wrong? He says, oh, that arthritis came back on me. And so he... Uh, he, he talked to him about it. He says, what do you mean it, it came back on you? He says, well, you, he said, uh, I, I, uh, it's about, um, it's about a week ago. I think it was only, a, it wasn't real long. About a week ago, I was doing something over here in the, in the farm and just like that came right back on me and I felt pain. It started out in, uh, I think it was a hand and it worked its way right on up his body and then his whole body hurt. And, and Brother Hagen turned to him and he said, well, he says, when, when I laid hands on you before, weren't you healed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know I was healed then, but I guess God didn't do it. He blamed God. God, God didn't do it. Something that just didn't happen because cause it's all back again. And he says, well, how long had that arthritis been bothering you before you had hands laid on you? He said, 25 years. And you have been walking free on it for how months? And I don't know, six, seven, eight months he'd been walking free of it, not having any of it going on. And he says, and you're going to doubt that God healed you? He said, and Brother Hagin turned to him and says, I'll bet the first words out of your mouth when you felt that pain was, I thought the Lord healed me. And he looked at him shocked and says, how did you know that? <laughs> he said, it's not hard to figure out. He says, you had to open the door. You had to open the door for, for the devil to get in and to steal what you had. It's not hard to figure that out. And he sat there and talked to him for a while, a half hour, hour, something like that, and just taught him on, on the thing. And before, before it was over, he's back in health, health again and healing. We've let it go too, too many times. We've had a miracle from God. That's why we told you in those books that I know that you're all using every day. <laughs> 
the, the principal books. One, one part of the book is supposed to be for principles you learn. The other half of the, the other part of the book that towards the end is for things that God does for you. Write them both down so you go back there and look at it. You're supposed to be able to have these things that you look back and say, I know God did this for me here. We've talked to you about it before. In healing, you need to have a point. You need to have a point where things change. I've received my healing on this day. I prayed this way. I believed this way. So-and-so laid hands on me. So-and-so and I agreed. The gift of God was made manifest. This went on. And you write down on this day. You can even write down the hour if you want to. But have a point that you say, this is when it changed. This is when I began to believe. This is when I changed my confession. This is when I saw it in the Word of God. This is when I received it this way. Whatever it might be, you have a point. And you've got that written down. And you keep on going back. No, no, no. On this date, on this day, I was healed. How many of you heard ministers say, I was healed of such and such on this day? Then no matter how many times the devil came on back and put symptoms on them, they keep going back. I was healed on this day. I received my healing on this day. You've got to hold fast to that thing. That's why the church was exhorted in Revelation. Hold fast. Because something would try and take it away. There are three ways that you can open the door. First, through disbelief and doubt. You can disbelieve what God did. How do you disbelieve what God did? I thought the Lord did that. I guess He didn't. I thought I was healed. I guess not. I thought the Lord forgave me. But I don't feel forgiven. I thought I was saved. I guess not. How to open a door. First off, disbelief and doubt. You disbelieve His Word. You disbelieve His His uh, promises. And you disbelieve what God did. What you know in your own body, God did. I felt the power of God come into my body. I felt this change. You disbelieve it. Secondly is disobedience. You can lose some things in the area of disobedience. When God has said, get out here and do this, and you don't. How did Israel lose the promised land? Disobedience. And it wasn't just one time either, was it? The Lord said, you have tried me these ten times. Now I'm done with you. Your generation will not go into the promised land, but the generation after you will go in. The next generation. They lost it through disobedience. They disbelieved the promise of God and they decided to disobey. If God has called you to do something, then you don't do it. If God has said you're supposed to love that person, you're not loving them. If God says you're supposed to forgive that person, you don't forgive them. If you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, that's going to mess you up. Don't do it. Disbelief, doubt, disobedience. Third way, disregard. You pay no attention to it. You leave out of consideration or you ignore it. You just disregard it. You've been set free, healed. God came through on a promise. God came through on this. And you were glad for a day or two and then you just put no attention to it. Total disregard for it and then just went on. And then when that symptom came back in, when that thing came back on in, you you did not maintain your faith. You received it laid on the hands but you had no faith to maintain it and you lost it doesn't take away from what God did. God did something, but you let it go. Kenneth Hagin said this, No one can maintain a healing which comes as a result of another's faith, spiritual gifts, and such unless their faith 
is developed through the Word of God to the point where he can maintain his own rights. You can't do it. You've got to maintain your faith. You can receive something through the laying on of hands. And I tell you what, you can't see this all the time. I'm not going to tell you that I can see this all the time, but I can see it in some people. That you lay hands on them and you watch them from the time they go on from that and they have total disregard for maintaining it. They're just not maintaining it. You got to get out there and you got to do something with it. Stuff needs maintenance. How many of y'all know if you have a room in your house that you hardly use, you still have to go in there and do stuff to it? They get dirty. Things need maintenance. You cannot just ignore it. Your faith needs maintenance. You need to get in there and, and maintain it. Meditate on the Word of God on healing. Meditate on the Word of God on the promises of God. Meditate on finances. Meditate on that area. If you don't maintain it, you won't have the faith to sustain what it is that you have. Because your faith will begin to erode away. And the doubts and the things from this world will begin to come on in and they begin to fester you and, and pull you down. You've got to get in there and you got to maintain it. How many of y'all know that if you want on out, if, if every one of you tomorrow joined the gym and started lifting weights and got yourself so that you increased from bench pressing 50 pounds to bench pressing 250 pounds. Just imagine yourself bench pressing 250 pounds. And you said, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to get to the place where I could bench press 250 pounds and you stop. A year later, can you bench press 250 pounds? Why? Because you didn't maintain it. See, we know that in the area of the physical. Why don't we know that in the area of the spiritual? Just because you know about healing, just because you know about finances, just because you know these things does not mean it is maintained in your life. You've got to continually feed it. You gotta continually take the words that you say with your mouth and check them with the Word of God. Am I speaking what I'm believing? Am I speaking according to the promises of God? What am I doing here? The enemy, the enemy attacks may have different faces, but it all comes down to faith. It all comes down to faith. First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing he that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him how? In the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. If you're going to resist the devil, it's going to be through faith. What the devil comes in to do is to get you to disbelieve, doubt the Word of God. Has God really said He's healed you from all your diseases? Come on, cancer wasn't around then. They didn't have AIDS. And all these things can come up and you can have all these reasons. No, He healed them of all diseases. He bore all diseases. He took them all. Even the current swine flu. Don't get in fear about any of this stuff. The news media is always out to try and blow things up and make things bigger. How many know we're supposed to be in for a big hurricane season this year? You know what the count is? Two. Totally harmless out in the ocean hurricanes. 
for the Atlantic side. They were supposed to be somewhere between 12, 12, 13, somewhere. It was up in that neck of the woods. Oh, and they're going to be this way. They don't know what they're talking about. And they hype it up. They do all this sort of stuff. Don't buy into it. Don't listen to it. They, they try and they do these things. They, they're, they, I, tell you, I get so angry at the news media. I got so angry at them this week. I don't even listen to them. I still get angry at them. They made an issue out of uh, one of my buddies. You all know I love to listen to Rush Limbaugh. Not all of you like to listen to him. And that's fine. You don't like him. You listen to whoever you like to. But they came out and apparently, apparently they made some uh, accusations against him saying that he said certain things. How many of you all heard some racial things that they said he said? I listen to the, I listen to his show all the time. He has never said those statements. He does not believe those statements. And he even knows where the thing came from. And they may actually, uh, go after him on a libel suit. He is considering it. Generally, he just ignores these things. But he can trace exactly where it came from, what it went to. And all these news media people who publicize it, none of them checked it out. Not a single one. But how much fervor started up over this? And it just stirs up people on the, on the race thing. And it gets people fired up this way and has no right to do it. I make it a point, anyone, whether I like them or whether I don't, anyone the news media tells me something about, I instantly doubt it. Instantly. Because I know too many of the people they've come against to attack. And I know that's not so. That's not the way it was. Judge Bork came under their attack. Oh, I'll tell you what, what an incredible man. Did you ever do any research on who this guy was? Oh, what a... We lost out not having him as a judge. I really enjoyed him. But boy, the things that they could say about that. And uh, But anyway, don't fall into that. Don't let people say things to you unsubstantiated. Don't let the news media do it. Don't let the news media hype it up. Don't let people come around you and say things that are unsubstantiated. Everything needs substantiation. If someone's going to tell you that God has not healed you and you're going to get sick, make them prove it. Make them prove it. How do you know I'm going to get sick? How do you know I'm going to get the flu? Well, because everybody is. No, not everybody is. And come after them with it. Don't just sit there and take all that stuff. If you go out there and you share your testimony, I got healed of migraine headaches. Glory to God, I've been free of migraine headaches. And they say, well, you know they're going to come back on you. How many been around people who want to tell you stuff like that? Unsubstantiated. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Ah, I get so irritated at this stuff. But they can do it. The news media folks, they can fabricate anything they want to and they all throw it out. Remember the stuff they did against uh, Bush in one of the elections? They totally made up documents and circulated them around. Dan Rather lost his job over it. He should have lost more. <laughs> I mean, they, they would even come out of something like that and say, well, we know the idea is true. <sighs> you know, there's people out there in, in this country that I like and people that I dislike as far as their, their views and their beliefs are concerned. But they still have the freedom to say what it is that they want to say. Pay the consequences for it, but you still have the freedom to say it. People that are around you folks have the freedom to say, talk about their doubt and unbelief. You can't stop them from that, can you? But you can stop it from setting in on you. You can stop it from taking root in you. 
And if they want to be that vocal with their doubt and unbelief, why don't you be just as vocal with your faith and belief, your confidence in God? I will not get those migraine headaches back. That will not happen to me. I heard one person give a story. They say, we, we have more faith in the devil than we do in God. I just know that's going to come back on me. You have more faith in the devil than you do in God. Stand up. you got a testimony. I love these Sundays. We're all coming up and giving testimonies. But hang on to that. Make sure that you don't let that testimony go. Write it down. Put it someplace where you have it. That you can go back and you can look at Look at that victory I had. And they're not going to pull you back in that. Vanessa's going to get up on any highway she wants to and drive. <laughs> Glory to God. My dad will keep raising up his arm. Doing what he needs to do. We're going to keep giving these testimonies. We're going to keep seeing the hand of God at work. And don't let doubt and unbelief come in. Maintain what you have. It takes maintenance. Anything good, folks, takes maintenance. Anything good takes maintenance. I mean, all like coming over to our house when we had the pool open. It takes maintenance. Pools do not stay clean. Pools go to the dirty side. They just like to be on the dirty side. Clean is not normal. And if you don't believe that, have one for a little while. <laughs> clean is not normal when you have a pool. Just like clean is not normal when you have a house. Dirty is normal. And you are constantly fighting against what is normal. That's what you got to do in your, in your walk of faith. Every step you take, the devil is trying to devour, trying to take away what you have, trying to take away your faith and your belief. Maintain what you have. Stay around people that help you maintain that. There are times you need to reach out and grab hold of somebody. I need hand, I need hands laid on me for this one. Um, my own belief and confession isn't enough for me in this. I know it. I need I need hands laid. I need the anointing. I need gifts to be in operation. You need something going on. I need the prayer of agreement. You agree with me on this. Step out and, and grab hold of somebody when you need it. But don't be afraid to stand on I need prayer for this. Pray for me for this. I need to receive this. Step out there and, and do those things. Know how you receive from God. And make sure you receive the way God says. And then once you receive it, you maintain it. You maintain it. Whatever it is that you receive. Healing. Finances. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness. Salvation, whatever it is, you maintain it. I had hands on, laid on me, and the Spirit of God filled me up. The Spirit of God came upon me. Yeah, but that just probably was some weird feeling. No. Maintain it. Y'all stand up here with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the things that you have given to us, we can maintain. Satan desires to steal. He desires to take away from us the things that we have. Father, we will walk in the victory. We will maintain what we have. We will not let our confession go, but we will have belief and confession in those things that are ours. And we will maintain it. For we may maintain the things of God, the things given to us through our belief and through our confession. Just as salvation is maintained that way, Father God, we maintain all these things that way. We thank you that we will continue to believe 
for the things that you've given us. We've been healed of a thing. We're going to continue. No, I'm healed of that. No, I walk free of that. That's mine. Healing is mine. And we confess with our mouth those things that line up with what we believe. For finances, we do the same thing. Whatever it is, Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. We will build up our faith to maintain the things that we have. For you have called us to rule and to reign in this life. And our faith needs to continually increase. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.